O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? Those who walk blamelessly and do what is right and speak the truth from their heart, who do not slander with their tongue and do no evil to their friends, nor take up a reproach against their neighbors, in whose eyes the wicked are despised, but who honor those who fear the Lord, who stand by their oath even to their hurt, who do not lend money at interest and do not take a bribe against the innocent. Those who do these things shall never be moved. What comes to mind when I say the word home? Is it a happy place? Is it a state of mind? Is it, do you think a warm hot chocolate or a swimming pool? What do you think of when you think of home? Maybe it's chaotic. Maybe it's stable. In our scripture passage we're looking at today, the writer speaks of a home that's been put together by very divergent materials, contrasting materials. But there's this good foundation and this cornerstone that is found in Jesus Christ. And so when that home is built, it's built strong because of what Christ does in it. And today we're going to consider what those implications are for our household, our personal households, but for the house of God, for a home, for a church. But before we do that, will you pray with me? God, I thank you for this day, and I pray that you'll take the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, and that they'll be pleasing in your sight and helpful to those who hear them, and that we'll be able to apply them in our lives so that we can be everything you called us to be. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Well, today we're going to have a pop quiz. I know school's out, and I'm sorry about popping a quiz on you, but we're going to do it anyways. I think everybody can play. We grade on a curve around here, so if you don't get the answers right, it's all good. I'm a big fan of sitcoms, like funny sitcoms, not the ones with the laugh track behind them that you're like, we were, Carmen and I were just talking about this the other day. We were watching an old show that we used to watch years ago, and it was like, why is there a laugh track behind this? Because this is good. And You know when the laugh track happens and it's, it's supposed to be funny and it's kind of not, and then the laugh track doesn't happen when you're like, that was funny and nothing's happening. So anyways, I, I just, sitcoms are weird, but I like family sitcoms because they show a little bit of dysfunction um, because we're all dysfunctional in all of our families. They just take it to the extreme. So we're going to do a, a, a quiz today to see how good you are about knowing your famous family sitcom last names. And so people who are watching at home, Wendy's available on the, on the chat. You can tell her there's a delay, so you don't get the prize. We're not, like, giving away prizes anyway. But we have this, this. This should be a fun pop quiz as opposed to the one that you didn't study for. You didn't need to study for this. So, anyways, Max, I'm going to have you put that first slide up. And what's, well, wait, wait just a second, sorry. Here's how this works. You have to know the family's last name. I don't want to know the name of the sitcom. I don't want to know anything else. I want to know the family's last name. And then... You could just shout it out, and it's all good, okay? Who's this? Shout it out. The Hex. The Hex, okay. It, bonus points. Who knows the kids and mom and dad's names? Let's hear it. Axel. Axel's a kid. 
Brick is the little guy. Denny. Isn't she Denny? Frankie Hack. There you go. Thank you. Okay. Not bad. It's the Hex from the middle. All right. Uh, let's get to the next one here. Anyone? The Tanners. Full House. That's a little bit of a throwback, right? They came back on Netflix, like as an adults and stuff like that. There's someone conspicuously absent from this this picture that was on purpose. Um, let's get to the next one. Okay, this is for this is for our folks that were around in the seventies. The bunkers, right? Archie, Meathead, uh, yeah, all, all, the bunkers. It was called All in the Family, and it was iconic TV seventies. Maybe it got into the eighties. I can't remember for sure. Anyways, okay. So, and then this one may be a little bit of a trick question. We'll see what you do with it. Next one. I'll give you the name of the sitcom. It's Everybody Hates Chris. Anybody? Everybody Hates Chris. Yeah, it's based on Chris Rock's life as a kid, loosely. So they don't have a last name. I looked it up. Like, obviously, they have, I don't know, Terry Crews, he has a last name. However, there's no last names. They just go by the, all, the, all the first names. So you don't get a Mr. or any of that stuff. So anyway, it's kind of a trick question, but like I said, we grade on a curve, so it doesn't really matter. Um, and then I'm going to hang off to this last one because this last one is kind of one of my personal favorites because I've got a man crush on the lead character. So um, if, you can, if you can do this, then this is a little bit more recent. So let's go for the next one, Max. There you go. And it's not, it's not Michael Sierra. That's not my man crush. So anyways, and it's not Will Arnett. <laughs> and it's not David Gross or Cross. It's Jason Bateman, Silver Spoons, all the stuff, you know. Anyways, so this is the Bluth, this is the Bluth family, and they are from the, the, the sitcom Arrested Development back in the 2000s sometime. They had a reboot, not so great, didn't watch that. But anyways, now you know a little bit about kind of what kind of sitcom I like. Um, this one you can watch on Netflix because I continue to watch it kind of just as a little bit of... Um, just kind of a reprise from normal life um, because it's just kind of, yeah, it helps with that a little bit because like, you can laugh out loud even though you've seen it four times, or I do. So the reason these sitcoms, the reason that family situational comedy is funny is because it's a little bit like us, you know? It's taken to the extreme, obviously. I mean, we all don't have a dad like George Bluth who's in prison and, like, is trying to, you know, run everything from for his business outside of prison. We, we don't have those types of extreme characters in our lives, hopefully. I mean, some of us might have a dad in prison, but, um, and that's quite possible. But they take these things to the extreme, and, but we still identify with it. You know, we identify. The reason I identify with, uh, with the Bluths is because I see a little bit of those people in me, right? Even the, even the weirdest ones, and they're all pretty weird, right? And so that's what family kind of is. It's this strange conglomeration of people that come together, and oftentimes there's something beautiful and redemptive about what happens within a family. Even the most messed up, chaotic situations 
can turn into something that's good. You know, Jesus and our writer have a, bit, a, a little bit different idea and a better way of doing family than maybe we see on a sitcom or maybe we do in our own families. And I want to look at that together today. So let's look at this passage. We've been in this letter to the Ephesians for a while now, and as we kind of unpack new things each week, we're just seeing that God can speak to us through just a handful of verses, and this whole letter comes together nicely, but there's these little, little points in here that help us to see who we are and who God wants us to be. There's, like I mentioned earlier, there's these various materials, and I want to just read some of this. It says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, so he's got these there's kind of these mixed metaphors. This writer uses those a lot. Like there's citizenship and then there's family. It's like, well, I don't necessarily call my, didn't call my kids good citizens within my household. But, you know, Paul, he does what he does. He says, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon a foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple unto the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. So again, these divergent materials, the Jews and the Gentiles are brought together. And so again, our writer has kind of two materials, but as we look around our room and we look around our society, there's a lot more material than just these two groups. It's not just those two, right? And so and again, he has these, these metaphors that he's used of this foundation this, that's built on the apostles and the prophets' teaching. And then he says, Jesus is this cornerstone. And I am not an architect, nor do I play one on a sitcom. But an architect could tell you if they've done, because they've, they've done some architectural history. So a cornerstone in the ancient Near East, in Greek life, would have been something that made the whole building true. They'd put it down in the foundation, at the foundation, and then they'd line up the whole building according to that. They didn't just say, okay, we're going to put a wall up here, we're going to put a wall up there, we're going to put a wall up here, that'll be fine. They had one true stone that would help them do everything that they needed to do. And what the writer is saying here is that that true stone for building a family, for building a household, is Jesus Christ. Something also that's interesting about this Greek time, of, time and place is that when they built homes and when they built um, sacred places, they would often do a sacrifice in that corner, on that cornerstone. And so something else to think about interesting for, for our purposes is that Jesus Christ, if he's the cornerstone, he's also that sacrifice, that blood offering that was offered for us. So he is the key component in all that. We live in the keystone state. I didn't really understand that or know that before I moved here, but there's some reasons for that. You guys could fill me in on the history. But part of the keystoneness of Pennsylvania is that, well, this is where like they signed papers and documents and kind of built our country. Not right here in Reading, but just a little while, not too, not too far from us. So it's kind of the foundation for how our country was built out, that cornerstone. And so as we think about what our writer said, what we think Paul meant by all this is that we can have a great family, a great church, a great community if we begin to understand that there's this foundation and that there's this cornerstone that makes everything right, makes everything true, makes everything line up the way it should. But oftentimes what we do in our 
communities and in our churches is we kind of ignore that there's even a foundation there. We don't pay attention to there being a cornerstone that is supposed to help us line everything up to where it all makes sense and fits together. I had Carmen read a passage earlier, that Psalm um, 15 passage. And at the end of that, it, it's kind of a paradigm shift for the people that, were, that wrote the Old Testament when we get into the New Testament. Because in this Old Testament passage, I have to go back and look at it, it says, who may abide in your tent? Who may abide in your dwelling place, right? It's these certain kind of people get, get to do that, right? But then when Paul shifts over to our passage, he's saying that we're going to, that, that God's going to dwell in us. Gets down to the end of the passage, it's, in whom you are also built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. So in the Psalms, who gets to go be with God? It's these people that do all these good things, right? That, that are blameless, that don't lie to their neighbors, that are steadfast and true. All, which is, that's true, those people are with God. But when we get to the New Testament, that's just a sign that we are already with God, is that we are those types of people who are blameless and speak the truth in love. The people that, who, when they say they're going to do something, like they take an oath, like in the psalm says, when they, when they say they're going to do something, they're going to follow through on it. And so there's been this paradigm shift. But in both places, this is the place where God dwells, in us, through us. And the foundation below that is understanding and, and going back to what the prophets said, going to the apostles' teaching, and understanding the true reality of that cornerstone in Jesus Christ. So why don't we have, why, why do we have dysfunction? Not just in our church, but in the church at large. Why do we have dysfunction in our families? Well, I'm not going to be able to answer all those questions today because you guys, we all might need a little therapy anyway. But there is some reasons for that. You know, I, my dad is still with us. Um, and he's, he had a scare a few weeks ago. Um, but he's still with us, and he, I love my dad. He was my best man in my wedding almost 29 years ago. Did I get that right? I'm looking over at Carmen. I was like, it's, I think it's 29 this year. Um, better not forget 30. Um, she's very forgiving and loving. Um, but my dad is a, is a great man. I loved him. I love him. He is steadfast. He's patient. I saw my dad lose his temper maybe twice growing up. Um, and it didn't, like, come out sideways in other ways. Some of us didn't have that experience. We don't always have good models for our home life. Our churches oftentimes aren't good models for home life. I found that religion is not necessarily a guarantee that things are going to go well in a family. Lack of religion is not necessarily a guarantee that things won't go well in a family. I've served in contexts where I've ministered to people who had like million dollar plus homes. And I've also served in contexts where people lived like a stone's throw from the Mexican border on a canal without running water. And either one of those homes could be just as stable and full of love as they could be full of chaos and ruin and hatred. So what is it that makes those things disconnect? What is it that makes... Families like the Bluths so messed up. Well, for us, I don't know what their problem was. Well, we know what their problem was. Well, some of us do. But for us, for a stable community, for a stable church, and for stable family lives, 
we have to remember that there's a foundation available to us. Oftentimes, we just ignore our foundation in our homes. Um, we don't think about it until there's a problem, right? I don't know who all is a homeowner here, but if you have a crack in your foundation and things start to shift, then you're looking at a lot of problems, right? And so our hope is that we don't have to think about that foundation but until there's problems. But my fear is that we've ignored the foundation, that we have ignored the things that we have to do to keep that foundation kind of solid. Or we've not, we veered off of what was true and straight and purposeful for us through Jesus Christ. We can be similar to these dysfunctional families that we, can, we talk about or see on TV or read about. We, we have a lot of the same issues that they do. However, we also have the opportunity to show the world what a, a family is supposed to look like. So what makes, makes for good construction? How can we build well on that foundation and have God build that through and in us? Well, I've got a few ideas. Um, these, are not, these are not my own ideas, but there's four things that I want to kind of look at today. And they're what I call pillars. Pillars is a good word when we talk about construction. Um, but this is not an exhaustive list. Lots of things go into making a good building. But here are just a few. These pillars are justice, wisdom, compassion, and peaceableness. So within our house, if we have some structures that are built on doing the right thing by each other, if we have a, a sense of pursuing wisdom and also acknowledging wisdom, receiving wisdom, then that's another good pillar that we have that will help us to build some good, a good structure. And again, this is not just here at Koinos or at your other local church, but it's for our families, and it's for our extended families. Um, going out of our way to, to make peace in our homes, not being not some kind of codependent, I just want everybody to get along, but in a sense of, hey, you guys aren't getting along real well. How can we work together on that? And then compassionate, and not just being compassionate with the people in our household, but being compassionate with ourselves. You know, as a dad, I've been a dad for 25-plus years, 24 years. <laughs> I'm getting, yeah, yeah, anyways, okay. I lost a year, you know, so, but anyways. We have to be compassionate, and this is, this is a perfect example. We have to be compassionate with ourselves, because if we can't give ourselves some grace, then it's going to be really hard. Because, yeah, I did stuff that probably screwed up my kids to a certain degree, right? And they might tell you that. They might not. You can ask one of them later. Um, but if I just, if I lose sleep over that, if I go, you know what, I, I'm doing my best. And the only way all four of those things work together is if I have this grounded, rooted foundation in Jesus Christ in his teaching, in his, his, in his love, and his compassion for me, his justice for me, his wisdom, his guidance, his peace, all of those things that I can use to build a strong family. You know, I'm going to have the band come up here um, for a time of reflection, and I want to encourage you guys as we think. You might, like, still be off on sit in sitcom land, but kind of focus in here with me for just a minute. And I do want to hear what your favorite sitcom families are after we're done. Um, but I want you to think for just a minute about what the pillars that are missing, mm -hmm. 
what are the pillars that are missing from your home life? You know, if it's one of those four, then what are those things that are missing for you? And then have you ignored the, the cornerstone or the keystone? Have you just kind of left that behind? It's there. He's there. Christ is present. But have you let that slip and not built your home, your home life around that? So I'm going to have Dan play for just a minute. Those questions will be up there. Max will put those questions up there. And then just take a minute to consider those. If you want to close your eyes, you can close your eyes. If you want to look at the questions, you can look at the questions.